It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, uh, recording Friday morning, uh, April the 3rd. Uh, that lovely little jingle there means that uh, this is done with uh, no editing and uh, planned just to auto-load so that there's no delay in getting you, the uh, consumer, this or having any problems where we would uh, not be able to get this out before the Easter weekend. So uh, bear with us. A little bit of a trade-off for audio quality as far as the uh, um, instant kind of disbursement of product and uh, the guarantee that that nothing uh, nothing happens where we're not able to bring a recording to you, which has happened in the past far too often. Um, anyway, uh, we'll stop rambling, but excited to talk to you uh, again as always. Maybe it's not quite the spring practice uh, of all the stories and storylines uh, that maybe we thought heading into it, but uh, it's been pretty interesting what we can glean so far um, from both the quarterback situation and, and really with most of the position groups. So uh, I don't think it's a, a wasted conversation by any means and excited to uh, get your opinion and, and pulse of things as to where they are so far in spring. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm definitely glad to be back here. Uh, this is the spring that we asked a lot of questions going in, and I – think we have answers to remarkably few of those questions, really, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably not a good thing. By the way, a couple things here. Uh, this is the sound of my coffee cup uh, right there. So if y'all hear that, that's what that is. And uh, my dog is in the room, so it'll probably make noises. Just be aware of that. We are live, or well, there, without edit. So um, where else to start but QB? I mean, that's kind of the the, the, the marquee position even if you lack a marquee player there. And, Ingram, I'm ready to make a statement. I think this thing is over. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think it's close at all. I, I think that if you if you read Jimbo Fisher's language and, and, and what we hear from sources, I uh, – you know, in the preseason we said, look, J.J. Costantino is going to need a good spring in order to, you know, avoid this thing um, from basically just falling in default fashion to Sean McGuire. And I think that – uh, Sean McGuire has this thing locked up, and I do not believe it's close. Yeah. Um, I fully agree with you. It doesn't sound as though uh, a whole lot could could change, and uh, I've given that opinion for a little bit now. Um, it is uh, – I was on radio a couple of days ago, made the comparison. It's almost like the, the Georgia job right now. You don't, you don't hear – you know, basically Bryce Ramsey more or less has locked this thing up and, and you don't hear of any kind of competition. Um, and when you do, you don't hear it about the right person. Uh, you know, you don't hear uh, Jimbo Fisher being laudatory uh, at all about J.J. Um, you know, sometimes you'll hear something about the freshman or, um, you know, an improved arm on a quarterback that uh, you're probably not going to see much of as is, uh, at least as an actual quarterback, uh, various compliments, uh, nothing sustained, nothing significant, and nothing at all um, to, you know, if, if this was an election, uh, I think our exit polling is strong enough to uh, to go ahead and make a, uh, a pretty definitive call, and uh, I agree with you. I, I don't think that is uh, jumping to any conclusion at all right now. So, with what you just said, I, I totally agree. And, you know, the limited stuff we've heard publicly from Jimbo Fisher, it's been John Franklin made some nice plays when he got outside of the pocket, which, mm-hmm. of course, we knew he could do. But the guy, we don't believe he can throw at a, uh, at, a, at, a at a BCS level, which is why I continue to list him as a receiver on the uh, on the Tomahawk Nation true eligibility chart. Um, you know, with J.J., Fisher will say he made some nice throws, but he doesn't say it in the same way that, that he talks with McGuire. And notably, he really doesn't talk much at all about 
uh, how McGuire is or, or how, how Costantino is progressing mentally, you know, knowing where to go with the football, throwing on, on time, uh, understanding defensive looks and, 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 uh, and breakdowns and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think it's over. What does that mean? If, if it means it's over, what, 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 what does FSU actually have at QB? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I, I think it means at least this far that you've got a, uh, a real raw product from Western Pennsylvania, and I'm not sure you've made him any better at all. Um, it doesn't appear uh, – you don't want to respond too much to this. You don't want to overreact, but it, it doesn't appear as though J.J. is in a place to even make this conversation. And, and if so, that's uh, that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign as to uh, what you have on the roster. And it's not a good sign, you know, for him as far as his involvement in the program moving forward. You know, this is uh, probably going to be about as open as it gets versus the the weakest amount of competition, at least what you expect from from the the product that's entering the system in in the next uh, 12 months or so. So um, that's my opinion as, as to what, you know, if we extrapolate this as to what is actually there, uh, it means that McGuire's probably playing at a relatively moderately high level. He's not playing at a level where he's given the job up, but I don't think anybody ever thought that that was going to be I, – I don't think anybody was thought this race was going to be won by default because of how bad, uh, you know, Sean would, would play and how bad he would look in practice. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think McGuire is – probably going to exceed some people's expectations if those expectations are uh, formed almost solely on the Clemson game last year, which was a really difficult circumstance uh, for him. At the same time, I think when you know that you have a guy with superior physical tools in JJ, you know, much better runner, probably a stronger arm, a lot more bigger pro style type guy. And he's not even sniffing, uh, you know, a, a true lane to, uh, to pass McGuire then I think you have to go to this side. And, and, and what it means is JJ's not picking up the offense at an acceptable rate in, in order to give himself a true chance at McGuire. And that, you know, that's not necessarily an effort thing. It's more than likely just some guys get it and some guys don't. And, and I agree with your comment that, that he is still raw. Uh, the reality of college football, however, is that Florida State is bringing in, um, you know, a guy like a DeAndre Francois and, uh, and, and next year Malik Henry as well. Uh, and that, that thing's about to get a whole lot more crowded. I, I don't think there were, there will ever be an easier year for Constantino to win the job than this year. Uh, so quickly on the back quarterback, I do think it'll probably be J.J. I, I don't know if they really trust Franklin to do that. And I don't think that uh, that, that uh, DeAndre Johnson is ready. Although if, it's just nice things about DeAndre Johnson, which is good. You know, I wanted to hear, wanted to hear good things um, you know, about him. Guy needs to keep working to put on muscle. I, I don't, I don't know that if if uh, if McGuire were to go down, um, if Johnson could really step in, especially not because he's 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 pretty slight to build right now. Yeah, yeah, that'd be <laughs> be problem pretty problematic if you get the uh, backups involved right now. At least where you think they uh, they kind of all are, whether it be uh, true freshman on campus for the first time, Constantino we talked about. Or uh, John Franklin, who by all accounts, good kid, great effort, but just doesn't have the physical tools to really play quarterback at a high level, at least uh, doesn't have them uh, as of now. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, if the backup job is the job that we're really putting our eyes on, that's uh, that's interesting in and of itself. And, and again, just speaks to the... Uh, Speaks of the strides that the other guys haven't haven't taken to, to even make this conversation, um, or a conversation that lasts as long as the first week of April. Yeah, I, I totally agree with there. Uh, moving on to running back, fullback position. What uh, or do you want to spend more time on QB? No, I, I think we can we can go ahead and move on down the line. All right. Um, I feel really good about the running backs, and I uh, I feel good because for State still has Dalvin Cook because Mario Pender appears to be having his best uh, spring camp yet. And uh, because Jock S. Patrick also looks like a legitimate option running the football, especially after the video uh, that he showed yesterday, which I believe came from the scrimmage. And, and if, if you all follow us 
uh, on social media, Facebook and, and Twitter, uh, Tomahawk that is, you saw some uh, some retweets of some veterans talking about Jack as Patrick running over a, uh, a freshman in the scrimmage um, and or of a freshman or a walk on or whatever. The, the, most of the guys tweeting actually didn't know who the player was, but uh, Patrick actually put the video out because all these guys have all the video loaded on their iPod or iPad, whatever. I don't really use an iPad, so I think it's not iPad, right? Not iPod. iPad. Yeah. There we go. Um, you know, they, they have them loaded on their computers and their iPads, and so he put out a, a quick little four-second Twitter video, and he just totally wrecks this dude. And you can see that on Tomahawk Nation. But, man, that's a really nice trio of running backs to have. Um, Facebook question, and we are uh, taking questions here. We're not necessarily having just a distinct question session. Uh, we are going to kind of work the questions into our general discussion like we normally do. This is a Facebook question. I'm not really putting the names on these questions because that would take too long. Uh, do you think he could be similar to Greg Jones for us? Um, I think that Patrick probably could, although I think he's not quite as uh, um, not quite as like a physical beast that Greg Jones was. I think Patrick however, has uh, probably a lot better hands. Jimbo has really uh, emphasized Patrick's hands. I've seen Patrick catch balls very well in the past. So that's a 232-pound freshman who could potentially catch uh, some swing passes and some screen passes um, and be a value on third down. So uh, maybe pump the brakes a little bit on can he be the Greg Jones thing, but I, I think he, he could be a nice compliment. Certainly, what did we say when he signed? We said, can he be the replacement for Carlos Williams on the goal line? And I believe that based on what we saw and what I saw in high school, that he can. I think he could be FSU's short yardage back. Yeah, uh, again, the Greg Jones thing, that's uh, that's a little – you just rare that you're going to find the just the genetics and the everything that went together to put – you know, to have Greg Jones. That's, uh, that's not something you see frequently and probably somebody that uh, – Perhaps unfairly, every back that uh, is, is north of 225 is is going to be compared to. But uh, yeah, I mean, can he can he have a meaningful impact this year? Uh, by all early accounts, it, it sounds like he's a guy that that you can put in and and have a true three back rotation. And uh, he certainly complements Pender and Cook's uh, running style pretty well and gives you a good little change up. Absolutely. So now the downside. Um, Friday Stevenson, a fullback who was looking really, really good, the returning starter. We wanted to see him improve his blocking this year. Didn't quite play up to the level of guys like Chad Abram and Lonnie Pryor from previous years. Uh, was having a good spring, as far as I know, and uh, had a hyperextension issue in his knee. And Jimbo Fisher said that he uh, will miss the rest of spring. And they had to put some screws in, which, of course, you hear screws. And you think, oh, that's not good. Um, but he said the timetable – uh, for him to you know start working out again this four to six weeks, so an unfortunate setback for sure. Um, we know Stevenson works really hard, so I, I, I think that if he's able to you know no complications or anything get back, I don't think that'll impact him too much. But uh, uh, disappointing that they lose their fullback now with, with still six seven practices remaining in spring. They could actually practice, by the way, I think one or two practices after the spring game. Um, if they want. I know some teams that have had some really bad weather issues in the past have indeed elected to uh, hold practices after spring. I'm not sure about the shoes done, but it is legal uh, by NCAA rules. Yeah, yeah. You you only get so many set dates, and, and spring is only one of those dates, meaning uh, I don't remember exactly what the number is, maybe 15. Uh, and, and the spring game is, is viewed not so much as the conclusion, but uh, – but as one of those numbers, theoretically, you could have your spring game as practice number three, uh, and then have uh, you know eleven, eleven or twelve practices there following. But uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see if that's enacted. Let's hope that that situation doesn't present itself. Um, but let's move to the offensive line. Uh, let's move to another area where uh, injuries, unfortunately, are, are probably uh, too large of a storyline if you're a Florida State. Uh, fan or uh, somebody that's particularly interested in that unit of the field, just kind of bring us up to speed as to uh, what we've known so far from from the offensive line this spring. Well, I, I think in the spots where guys have stayed healthy, they've had good competition. Um, and we know that Jimbo Fisher has praised uh, Kareem R. He, he's praised 
Um, both at times, Derek Kelly and Wilson Bell, the two guys competing at right guard. And I think you know what you're going to get in Roderick Johnson. Although Jim Fisher did say he had to pick it up a little bit the other day. Right. Um, that that may just be challenging a guy who has a lot more potential than all the other offensive linemen. But this is a unit replacing four guys uh, out of five, and and four who are are you know very likely to uh, to be drafted. I think with, with Bobby Hart being really the only uh, the only question there. Um, so. When you look at that, you say, damn, this is, uh, this is going to be tough. Somebody asked me on Facebook, what is the biggest story that nobody's talking about? And to me, it's, it's Chad Mavity's mm-hmm. uh, right foot injury. Now, Jimbo Fisher has not said much about this, but uh, Chris Nee of, of Knowles 247 reported um, that Mavity had a previous, uh, I believe, stress fracture in the same foot that he was carted off uh, for um, – about a week ago. Now, Mavity has been wearing a uh, one of those big boots around and has not been practicing at all. This is your projected starting right tackle. And I hear almost nobody on, on, on the message boards and in the comment section talking about this. And, and I'm, I'm just wondering why, because I, I think the step down from Chad Mavity, or Jimbo Fisher calls him uh, Mavetti, so maybe we'll start calling him Mavetti if that's how he wants it pronounced. If, uh, if Mavetti can't go, I think the, the potential step down to a, a redshirt freshman like Brock Rubel, who a player who I'm very high on in the long term, uh, mm-hmm. is very considerable. And, and for a team that's going to have to rely on running the football probably more than, a, than you know, really they did in the past, that's a big concern to me. Also, Sean McGuire is not mobile at all. He's, I mean, probably the least mobile quarterback FSU will, will have started since Drew Weatherford. So, um, you know, that, that's another concern right there in, in pass protection. So we have to see – a 330-pound man with uh, multiple foot injuries to the same foot, big guys with foot injuries, that is a, a bad, bad thing, man. Um, and I'm not saying that Mavity's is, is bad as far as the extent of it, but it's certainly concerning that he's had multiple foot injuries now. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's not a good deal. Watch the NBA. Some of those big guys right. um, who have foot injuries really bounce back from it. So um, I think the offensive line, I mean, elsewhere – you know, Derek Kelly's been out with, I believe, a concussion, right? So Wilson Bell stepped up and has been playing well there. That's a good sign. You have to think you'll get Derek Kelly back there, right guard. Uh, and Ryan Hofeld is out with, with a meniscus surgery, which is something we, we talked about recently, that one of the rumors, there were three rumors going around, Isaiah Jones off the team, Matthew Thomas shoulder surgery, and uh, Ryan Hofeld having uh, the knee surgery. And all three of those ended up being, uh, being true and not just rumors. So you have Alec Everly and Corey Martinez uh, taking the snaps there at the center position. Everly and Martinez, both redshirt freshmen. Um, probably not necessarily who you want there. I, I think with Hofeld, not that he's a great player or that he's going to become a great player, but it's especially concerning if he's going to be missing uh, conditioning and weightlifting times. He's a guy that does need to get bigger and stronger in the weight room. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was your hope is, is that uh, you saw the effort, you saw the want to, from him, uh, and, and you hoped he would have a uh, you know a full uh, off season to put as put as much uh, weight and size and, and kind of filling out that frame to match uh, to match what looks like a decent little motor. Uh, yeah, that's that's problematic if if it means that he's going uh, a prolonged time without really being able to try to get as much out of the uh, you know the summer as possible as far as a weight room perspective. And and again. A uh, young player got forced into action last year. Uh, somebody that you want to have as many mental reps and, and on the field as possible, uh, just getting timing and uh, kind of, you know, going to be part of that unit, uh, both with his linemen and, and quarterback exchange and a lot of things that uh, that are a little troubling with uh, with what's going on in center as well. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I think the other thing with center is, What's the status of Matt Haggerty? We really haven't heard anything more about that. We know he visited Florida State. We know he visited Arizona State, and now Michigan is trying to uh, Michigan is trying to get in with him. They need a center as well. Um, I think Michigan would probably be a, a bigger threat uh, that, than Arizona State would. Uh, just Matt because Haggerty, already, for those who aren't familiar, is the Notre Dame oh, uh, offensive lineman that is uh, that is going to leave the program and transfer. Uh, right. So. Um. You know that they uh, Notre Dame could not promise him a starting spot at center. They thought he, he they might move him to guard, but anyway, um, yeah. So that that could be uh, 
but that could be Matt Haggerty there. Just trying to think here what else we need to talk about on offensive line. Um, we're about 22 minutes in. I think that's probably it on the O-line. They, they, they've apparently run blocked pretty well. Pass blocking has been a little bit of a different story. And mm-hmm. when we see, as we'll see when we go, go talk about the defense, how much can you really glean from a de- from an offensive line when it's going against uh, um, you know a group of linebackers like we're about to discuss in a little bit? That's that's a little bit uh, perhaps misleading to me at least. Yeah. So re- receivers receivers quickly uh, still think it's Travis Rudolph and Armand Lane way out in front of everybody else. Um, haven't really heard about Javon Harrison taking that next step uh, that people think he could you know, to, to really utilize that great athleticism that he has. And, of course, that's a thing. A lot of times these guys who are great athletes, they don't necessarily turn into great receivers because it's a much more nuanced position than people realize. Route running, understanding spacing, understanding you know how to sit down and when to sit down against zone, getting off press, you know, uh, getting separation. It's a lot more than just athleticism. There's a lot of mental game to play in receiver. So, um, hopefully Harrison continues to work hard and, and, and he can get there. Um, and if not, you know, Florida State has a number of other options who are, are talented as well to be that kind of number three number three uh, player there. Jimbo also had his big-time blow-up of the spring. Well, not really blow-up, mm-hmm. but uh, his first real press conference of the spring. And, and he's been taking, taking these press conferences uh, after practice with kid gloves because he knows, I think, just how, much, how reduced the expectations are for this team and, and how young it is functionally young, especially with all the uh, the kind of dead weight they have in the upperclassmen ranks. The, the, the true players that are playing are uh, are really young. Um, and, he, and he's been nice after practice, but he finally had a kind of a, a thing after practice the other day, and he was like, no, I, I think uh, the receivers were very average, and they were average at this, and they got their butts kicked at this, and, and didn't really do anything well uh, on the day that he was uh, commenting on. And, and perhaps um, – Perhaps he was mad for a couple of days prior to that as well uh, with, with what the receivers are doing. Um, so we'll have to see if that continues from that group. But no real individual updates there. Anything else on the offense, or do we want to move to the uh, to the defense? No, I don't think there's anything really more to comment. I don't. I don't think we're uh, wrong in in skipping over tight end as far as uh, what. There's nothing really there to to report, and uh, I think we can move. Yeah, we can move along to the defense. Cool. Let's uh, let's do that indeed. Defensive yeah, line. Uh, start exactly. Let's start right there. And uh, injury update first. Uh, Derek Mitchell still uh, uh, still struggling with that back injury that he's uh, had for most of his career. Obviously uh, concerning there because you know the guys behind him are not mere experienced, but they are pretty talented in, in Demarcus Christmas and uh, Derek Naughty. Um, you know, maybe a Keith Bryant, maybe a Arthur Williams uh, down the line. So uh, they still have Nile Lawrence and, uh, and and Nadia Christmas is a pretty nice trio. Um, hopefully um, Mitchell is not, um, you know, bothered by that back injury for the rest of spring. Um, you want to go to a question from a reader? Yes. Or a listener, really, I guess. We, we have listeners, not readers. All right. Uh, this is – I'm going to try and – translate this uh, does Jacob Pugh uh, and Lorenzo Featherston have a good chance to take Demarcus Walker and Chris Casher's spots I think is what what he's asking and my answer to that would be uh, sort of yes and no uh, Chris Casher's out for spring obviously with the shoulder injury with, with the shoulder surgery uh, and I, I think Jacob Pugh was really impressing the coaches and they're, and they're pushing him to be even better but I think Jacob Pugh was going to get play over Chris Casher anyway. Um, I, I, you know, sophomore out of Tallahassee, uh, Godby, just up the road there. Really impressive guy, very athletic, and I think a guy who's getting stronger at the point of attack in sort of that stand-up slash hand-down uh, defensive end hybrid outside linebacker type position. Um, as for people like – I don't get why people hate on, on Demarcus Walker so much. I, I don't think he's a great player. But I, I certainly don't think, relative to, to some of the other guys in his defense, that he needs to take the criticism that he does. And no, I, I don't see Lorenzo Featherston jumping him at all. I, I don't. I don't think Featherston is near big enough. He didn't gain that much weight. I think seven pounds. Um, you know, from from where Florida State listed him last year to what they're listing him at this year, he's a guy who's still under 230 pounds. 
Florida State is not going to play one end at 236 or 238 or whatever Pew is. Or, mm-hmm. uh, I think right, is. and then turn right and around. And then one at 229. No, that, right. that, that's not happening. Um, I, I think Featherston could be a, a valuable asset in pass rush situations, but pass rush situations only because he, he's a total liability against the run, and that's assuming that he even shows discipline that he really didn't show last year at all with, with just crashing down at the first sign of action and not really playing his uh, – Playing as a sign. No, no, I, I'm hearing that Walker is actually emerging as a leader on the defense, especially up front. And uh, and I don't think Featherson's going to take his spot at all. Um, if anything, you know, maybe you see Featherson and Pugh in, in the pass rush packages. I know we got a lot of questions about the pass rush, and, and rightfully so, uh, on the Facebook page. So, um, yeah, I think that's definitely something that that can be looked at. But as far as starters reps, no, I, I don't think Featherson's going to take Walker's spot. And I do think that Pew has a good chance to pass Casher for good. Yeah. Casher just didn't do a, a whole lot, you know, uh, for me he's as a bust far as what you've gotten I mean, out of him. He, I don't think you can call him anything but a bust so far. You know, he is, yeah. uh, you know, when he's been healthy, he's not been a real impact player, you know. That I, 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 he, he's, he's also just a guy. I, I, and I'm not taking shots at a guy, but it's. Right, he's not terrible. He's just he's not making an impact. And for a guy who had that much athleticism out of high school, it's very disappointing. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look like he's really developed. Uh, doesn't look like he's changed his body at all. Uh, I know the the joke with Casher is that he's never never you know done legs since he since he came to Tallahassee. That's probably oh not yeah, fair, the, but, the, the, uh, the guys screw with him. Uh, the, the other players joke with him about about skipping leg day. Yeah, because he's he's, yeah. he's he's all over body. That that's not us. That's they literally what what they they, they <laughs> you know they yell leg day at him. Yeah, well he just hadn't done anything yet, and uh, I would I would be uh, almost that would be a bad sign if you don't see Pew uh, pass him in my opinion. But um, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens to those those spots. A lot of guys a lot of guys who have a significant amount of development to do uh, to to take a good amount of steps and. Um, you know, Walker doesn't uh, Walker doesn't bring back memories to some of the better defensive ends for me necessarily in my mind, but he's a solid player and uh, he's not somebody that's that's going to be easily you know pushed to the bench. So, uh, be interested to see what happens there at all. But uh, I fully expect Marcus to be your your starting end, uh, and you know maybe it's a good sign if he's not. But uh, we'll see what comes out of that. But uh, let's move to linebacker. I, I don't. I don't know where we're going to get here. I mean, I, I. You know, Roderick is a good player. I have one note. Oh, uh, and what is that? Uh, it says wasted spring. Yeah, I think that's pretty apropos. I mean, we're just not. I mean, both your starters are, are basically totally out. Terrence Smith with the turf toe. Matthew Thomas had shoulder surgery. Uh, Reggie Northrup is, is you know had his ACL done. After the Rose Bowl, you have Tyrell Lyons and Roderick Hoskins in there. So when, right. when Jimbo Fisher talks about how well the off, the offensive line is run blocking and and uh, and how well the team is running the football, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking against who? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, you better be able to, to run the ball well against Roderick Hoskins and Tyrell Lyons. I mean, not that they're horrible players or anything, but and and they're you know they're good enough to be on scholarship for Florida State, but at the same time, they're pretty clearly backups or should be given the talent level of the guys who are currently hurt. Um, you know, I, I don't think you learn much from the spring. Maybe you learn that, Hey, one of those two guys is better than we think and could uh, be a reliable backup slash situational player. But if those guys are starting for you, um, that's, that's not a good thing. And so I, I mean, they're going to have this spring game, and I don't know how they're going to work this roster because really, you don't you don't have enough linebackers to to fill out a, uh, a you know a, a starting starting linebacker group for both teams. You know, Terrence is out, Northrop's out, Matthew Thomas is out, Lorenzo Phillips doesn't even get here yet. Delvin Purifoy is still out. Um, so you have Tyrell Lyons or Derek Hoskins, a, you know, a, a linebacker, and then a linebacker who is uh, basically a converted safety. Are you going to get right. like? You're going to give the Garnet team one scholarship backer and the gold team one scholarship backer? <laughs> That's going to be, uh, be some interesting formations used there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, it was uh, last year you didn't think you necessarily had any superstars, but you thought you just had a 
depth chart that was awash with young, talented players and uh, and, and a bunch of young, talented players that you weren't necessarily sure who was going to emerge, uh, but you were pretty sure whoever it was was going to be pretty good and would have had to have overcome a lot to win that position. Um, Boy, have a lot of things changed at that position. Uh, And it's, uh, it's just telling us how quickly injuries, transfers, Kids not adjusting to school, uh, whatever it may be, but it can it can change the look of a depth chart pretty quickly. Absolutely, man, and it just you know it it, it happens. And like somebody asked me, um, why has this happened at linebacker? And I I don't think it's something that you can really answer uh, as to a trend or a theme. I mean, there, there's really been different reasons for uh, for everything. True. Um, Let's move to the defensive backfield, but uh, a, a place that, that uh, is currently home to Florida State's best player in all likelihood, certainly uh, the guy that appears to be kind of their uh, their alpha and their leader uh, of the team this year. But uh, tell me what you think. Maybe uh, if, if guys that we have uh, not necessarily associated with one position might be getting some snaps in another place or uh, – what exactly you've heard and, and what you can take out of uh, what's going on the deep the backfield so far. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that Jalen has just been dominating and that he's been great at corner. And that, that's clearly where he wanted to play, by the way. And, and he thinks he's going to be a corner in the league. And I don't disagree, but also that, that he's really uh, being like a super vocal leader out there. And, and I'll tell you this last year, I was told that PJ Williams and Ronald Darby didn't want to listen to him. And he was trying to be that guy last year, mm-hmm. but some of those dudes who had already won their ring and, and uh, you know were coming back just because they you know literally had to uh, to because you can't go to the NFL after only two seasons, uh, they weren't really too keen on on uh, on being barked at by a sophomore. So when we talk about some of the communication stuff and some of the lack of cohesiveness last year in the secondary, I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I think Jalen now because he's so much more talented than guys like Tyler Hunter and Nate Andrews who are equal uh, to or older than he is. Um, I think he's able to kind of assume that role. Now he's going to have to watch how abrasive he is uh, certainly with his leadership style. And and sometimes uh, you need a little, little more carrot and a little less stick, but uh, I certainly think that that that's a good thing for the secondary to have him in charge and uh, and he can do some major things, kind of like Xavier Rhodes did when he was shutting down the boundary there uh, for Florida State. Um, I think he's going to be a really good, really good corner. It looks like Marquez White is uh, is, is going to win the, the starting job opposite of, of Jalen. Now, Fisher's praised Marquez White a lot, and I think that's a good thing. I'm not totally sold that he's, like, playing all that great yet. I just think that his competition is uh, – is really kind of just limited. I mean, Ryan Green just moved over for spring. I wasn't expecting him to win the spring job or really even get, or to win the starting job or really even contend for it, at least in the spring. And uh, and we know that Tyler Hunter has been taking some reps there as well, uh, which tells me that Forest State may not be entirely comfortable uh, with, with its backups there or, or may just be trying out some things. Um, but it looks like Marquez White is, is going to win the, uh, the field corner job, if I had to guess right now. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I don't know why, but that doesn't just sound terribly uh, confused. Uh, or I don't know. I don't know. There, there seems to be a little bit of a hesitation as to what we have going on at the other corner right now. And uh, yeah, I mean, with Ramsey, I agree with you completely uh, on your comment that it's the position he wanted to play. It's why he part of the reason why he came here. Uh, uh, me personally, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays somewhere else on Sunday. Um, but you know, it, it's you put him in corner, gives you a little bit, gives you a little bit of, little bit of uh, uh, maybe a little bit more flexibility. Is getting to your best players on the field, uh, the safety position. Um, and you're right, that is uh, undoubtedly the leader. And um, it'd be interesting to see his leadership style. I think another thing, Jalen has to remember, and yes, all these guys are freakish athletes. They're, you know, they're playing secondary for one of the better college football programs in the country. Um, but Jalen is a 
freakish, uh, you know, decade-type talent uh, that, you know, not everybody's uh, one of the best triple jumpers in the country or triple jump. Uh, not everybody in, has in that their absolute insane athletic ability. Uh, and so you might have to tamper expectations a little bit as far as how much you, uh, you know, I can see his groove. I think abrasive is appropriate. Uh, and his leadership style is uh, is unique. It's authentic. It's absolutely him. It's good to see. Uh, but interested to see if that doesn't rub people the wrong way sometimes. Yeah, I think if, if you're Jalen, um, for leadership-wise, I'm totally okay with demanding effort. But you can't confuse effort with actual results and performance. And some of these guys – their performance and results are just not going to measure up to, to what Jalen Ramsey um, can do, like he said. But everybody is capable of giving good effort. And I, I think if, you, if you're Ramsey, you're fully uh, – it's fully reasonable to demand good effort, good attendance at summer workouts and things like that, uh, teamwork and cohesiveness. So uh, certainly and, – and hopefully he can strike that right balance um, between you know, positivity and, uh, and negativity. Um, anyway, definitely think that's uh, that's a good thing to have him leading there, and, and I do think this will be a more cohesive unit. I don't know if it'll be a better unit, but I think it'll be more, more cohesive than it was last year. Um, and if it's going to be better, maybe one of the reasons is Derwin James, who uh, it appears may just be too good physically to keep off the field. I think we said at the time, getting in for spring is so big for him because he was allowed to freelance so much in high school. You know, he really has not had to do a lot of, like, true safety-type things. But I think if you have James and Hunter uh, and Andrews, you have, you have some guys who can be very good at certain roles. And maybe maybe if James comes along and is able to win that starting job, which I think he will be a starter or at least play, um, you know, 400-plus snaps for these guys, uh, maybe that'll, that allows you to move Andrews into a role that he was much better in, maybe more of that kind of uh, – uh, dime package linebacker type where, where he doesn't have to cover very much ground. It doesn't have to cover anybody in man coverage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because last year he got exposed in, in coverage. Uh, but in 2013, when he was asked to do a very, uh, I don't say different, because that's not really a, a very reduced role, you know, was on the field for much fewer snaps and in a much, uh, in a role with much less responsibility in terms of area he was asked to cover, uh, really excelled. So, I think that's going to be something to watch, and, and I don't know if that's going to be fully decided this spring, but uh, certainly Jalen has opened some eyes with, with some stuff. Or uh, Excuse me, Derwin. Yeah, I, I think undoubtedly, and, you know, we've talked about Andrews, and, uh, yeah, as soon as he has to take his eyes off the quarterback or the backfield, uh, his, his productivity and, and what you can expect from him drops pretty significantly. But uh, interesting to see how you can deploy him um, yeah, I mean, look, you, you get Derwin James type, you know, you get Derwin James type athletes to play him, and, uh, that's uh, a good sign when somebody's that talented and you can't, uh, you know, you can't look at yourself and find a reason why, why you could choose another player. So, um, interesting to see if he keeps pushing and keeps putting as much pressure, um, on all those around him to, uh, to make him a starter come uh, come August, and and really that's what you would want, and completely agree with you. If there's any chance that this backfield has uh, has a chance to be good, uh, to be uh, better than last year, uh, then then it means that you've got a true freshman starting, and it means you probably have a true freshman playing at a pretty high level, uh, which is not an, an absolute unreasonable expectation. Uh, when you consider the type of player that uh, that James was coming in high school, exactly. I mean, James again, the the highest rated safety in the history of the Rivals. dot com rankings, and that's like what uh, fifteen, sixteen years of, of rankings. So about a decade and a half, pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, question here, I think it's a good one, so I I, I didn't bump it till next week. Some of y'all's questions got bumped to our our long term category, which is uh, stuff that we pull off if we need. Um, if we need topics for for the day, it, like, if we don't have a, uh, a a lot of content already for the show, question: After quarterbacks, what three things will you be watching most closely during the spring game? I think we'll take this. Uh, I'll go one, you go one, then I'll go one. Good deal. All right, I'm going to be watching. Um, I'm going to take the offensive line 
I want to see this run blocking that I've been told about. And if, if, if Mvetti's not going to play, if Hofeld's not going to play, if Derek Kelly uh, isn't back in there, what do they have as far as depth? Because I'm, I'm fairly confident that if their starters are in there and healthy, that this is going to be a good offensive line. And that would be Mvetti and probably Kelly and Hofeld. But if it's Everly, Bell, Rubel, I do want to see that. And, and I want to see, uh, and I think that Florida State's defensive line uh, should be able to take advantage of those guys if, if that's indeed who was in there on the offense. And if they're playing really well uh, against FSU's defensive line, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure that says great things about FSU's D line, or, or perhaps it just says uh, it says what we already know to be true about FSU's current linebacker state. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's fair for me. And not to go right back to what we we're talking about, but I'll be looking at the. Uh, the defensive backs in particular, I, I don't know why, but uh, I'm just not sold on Marcus White being a starter, and I don't know if that's even me particularly being fair to him, but uh, real curious to see if the evolution that maybe is needed uh, for him to be a starting cornerback at Florida State has, has taken place. Uh, again, probably judging too much out of uh, just a couple plays that really stick in my mind last year, but there were some times where I thought effort was uh, – could be questioned uh, in some of his plays, not necessarily uh, being just real kind of brainy in some of his angles that he took, and, and that's what you'd expect for a guy that made a position change. But uh, if it's uh, if he's at a place where he's starting, um, I'd be interested to see how far his game has come because uh, I didn't see anything resembling a product that could be a, a starting cornerback at all last year. Now, let me ask you this. We're going to have a question to your answer on a question. Um, do you think he will not be the starter, or you just have concerns if he is the starter? I have some. I have concerns as to if he's the starter, how far his game has come. Uh, if so, uh, I, I realize that's not an absolute answer to your question, um, but I'm, if, if that's what is going to be pairing up next to Ramsey, then I'm real – Real interested in what he looks like. Really, I'm interested in whoever is uh, who lines up opposite of him because, all things considered, you're going to have a hell of a lot more balls thrown your way than uh, you know what is undoubtedly the most proven entity uh, on the defense right now. So, uh, interest lies in both who that is in general because of uh, the juxtaposition between the amount of talent between the two defensive backs. Uh, but particularly if it's white, just because of what I saw from him last year. I think that's fair. Oh, gosh. All right. Not going to watch linebackers because I don't think any of those guys are really going to start come the fall. So I will, I'll I'll take a fun one and I'll watch running backs. You know, I want to see Jacques Patrick uh, in person. I've seen him in high school plenty, but I want to see, uh, you know, more runs like that. And I, uh, and I want to see Dalvin cook and Mario Pender and, and see uh, heck, I want to see what Jonathan Vickers gives them as a backup fullback or mm-hmm. how they actually replace Stevenson. Do they use more uh, two tight end sets, perhaps? I guess we'll have to see. I know Jimbo Fisher talked about, you know, using two tight ends as opposed to, um, you know, necessarily just next man up at fullback uh, when Stevenson went down in his post-practice uh, interview the other day. So um, I think now to recruiting quickly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Five-star in title, uh, I think you and I both agree, maybe a little bit more of a uh, a very highly regarded four-star prospect uh, at the end of uh, the recruiting cycle. But uh, current five-star, Levanta Taylor, uh, out of Virginia, is making his decision, by all accounts at least from, from what I've heard, it, it looks like it would be positive news for Florida State. Um, I'll let you chime in if you've heard differently. And... Uh, what uh, in past you've told me maybe like a more physically gifted, powerful Tony Carter that would be a type of comparison you might make to him. Uh, tell me, tell me as much as uh, you think is is needed as far as uh, this young man and, and what his decision might look like today. Yeah, uh, I, I think you hit it right on the head there. People when they see a guy like Devontae Taylor, uh, they see a five star ranking. They see five ten, hundred seventy. I actually think he's a little bit smaller than that. I think he's probably like 5'10 flat on a good day. Um, 
And I think he's more of a high four-star prospect, which is not to knock him. I just, you know, I don't necessarily see him as, as a true five-star necessarily. Uh, although maybe the argument is that he can really help you in the return game as well. Out of uh, or uh, as well, excuse me, uh, out of Ocean Ocean uh, Lakes High School, which is in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, you know, one, uh, I think certainly a top hundred player in the country. Some people even have him rated as like a top fifteen player in the country, which is uh, which is extremely high praise. Uh, and Florida State has felt very good about Taylor uh, really ever since he visited two weeks ago. In fact, I, I, they were expecting a commitment um, whenever he decided to announce uh, after he left on his visit. I know that you know it helps Florida State that they've signed some guys recently from Virginia, like Derek Noddy, who actually went to Ocean Lakes High School, you know, like mm-hmm. Josh Sweat, like, like Darvin Taylor. Um, and I think all that helps with, with Levante Taylor. FSU typically does not compromise too much on the, the size requirements for corners. and and Taylor right. certainly does not fit their size requirements, but I think that they are smart enough at times to uh, to look and say, okay, this guy has enough athletic ability and skill to overcome his lack of uh, his lack of size. And I, I think that Taylor is one of those guys who does. And uh, you know, we hear the Greg Reed comparison, we hear the Lamarcus Joyner comparison. I don't think either are a perfect fit. He's not quite the athlete that or, or, or guy with natural power. At Lamarcus Joyner was, and I think his ceiling is much higher at corner than Greg Reed's was. I, I I didn't think Greg Reed was that was that good of a corner at all. He was just a really elite return man who made some opportunistic plays at corner, but also got burnt a whole hell of a lot. So, um, and I, I think fans tend to kind of remember him as being a really really good covered corner, and it just that wasn't the case at all. Uh, but FSU needs, I think, three corners in this class, and currently they have um, zero corners in the class. So. You get Taylor, and then maybe you get a guy like Carlos Becker out of Kissimmee Osceola, and then maybe you get somebody else. We'll see if Taylor does does, uh, does come to Florida State. I know everybody over there is fully expect, uh, fully expecting it. You can talk Nation at about six o'clock Eastern on Friday, and uh, and we'll have the news there when he makes his call. Other finalists are, I mean, kind of just listed finalists: Georgia, LSU, Florida, UCLA, USC, Clemson, Ohio State. But really, I think your primary two are Florida State and then Virginia, um, who is obviously his hometown team, and, uh, and and who does a nice job on defense. You know, certainly if he's an offensive player, you'd think, eh, probably not going to UVA because their their offense is consistently just terrible. But their defense is almost always pretty good under Mike London. So maybe a little bit of concern, I guess, uh, a little while ago. But at this point, I really have no doubts. Interesting. Uh, be another another good pickup of a defensive player from Virginia, and a, a trend that we've talked about uh, a good bit of time here now. Um, but another question that we had as far as recruiting goes is uh, about the offensive tackle uh, Calvin Ashley. Um, how likely do you think it is that he chooses Florida State, and uh, is he more likely to project as a as a right tackle if you if you've got uh, uh, Big Rod, at least for another year when he comes onto campus? Um, or what do you think Ashley's ultimate position would be? Yeah, uh, Calvin, for those of you all who do not know, is a six foot seven, 307-pound high school sophomore who's entering his junior year, class of 2017. Uh, big-time Florida State fan, big-time Florida State lean. Somebody who I think if she could probably lock up fairly early in the process. Uh, was at um, was in Orlando, transferred to IMG, then transferred back to Dr. Phillips in Orlando, a school that's been uh, um, you know it's been FSU in the past. Obviously, you have Kenny Shaw uh, come from Dr. Phillips, so they're not necessarily an FSU pipeline, if you will. That, that that's a traditional powerhouse over there in Orlando. Um, how likely is he come to Tallahassee? I think Florida State has to be considered in the, in the driver's seat for this five-star offensive tackle, um, but. If he comes, I would put his chance of unseating Rod Johnson at left tackle at about zero percent. Um, yeah, you're so, you're right, and I had his year wrong. He, he and Johnson may never even overlap. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you can consider Rod Johnson. Uh, he's going to play this year. He's probably going to declare next. You know, I mean, I don't. I don't uh, right. No, no, no. Not I, to like belittle someone, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't that was that, that was how the question was posed. So. Um, but, yeah, you're right. If Rod Johnson is here 14, 15, 16, 
and Calvin is in the class of 2017, Johnson could conceivably be off to the NFL after the 2016 season and never even really meet the guy. So, uh, but if Johnson is for some reason back in 2017, which I would really would not expect, uh, I would say Ashley has no shot to unseat him. Uh, but I think Ashley long-term probably does project as a left tackle. I think he has good agility, uh, but certainly projects a tackle either way. Fair All right. Uh, and y'all, I'm totally free to ask recruiting questions. We only got one recruiting question this time, uh, so we only answered one. But if y'all want more recruiting questions on the podcast, please uh, do feel free to send them our way, and we will uh, we'll tackle those. We have uh, eight minutes left. You want to run down this, uh, this, this kind of quick draft thing? Yeah, let's touch the draft, and then uh, we've got a decent amount of stuff that we can uh, come back and kind of do a, a post-spring uh, wrap, and a lot of these questions aren't time-sensitive, so uh, I think that'd work fine. Those are my favorite kind of questions because that, that saves us, that saves yeah. our, our butts in the offseason. <laughs> All right, uh, quickly here, there's really no doubt Jameis Winston is going number one overall. There were, were reports that his family actually ate dinner with the Bucks the night before his pro day. Uh, the Bucks are going to have him for even another workout a- after the uh, after the pro day. Uh, Lovey Smith and, and Jason uh, Lick were basically just like smiling like crazy when Jameis was throwing, and they, they said glowing things about him. Uh, people have quickly come to realize what we realized that Winston was clearly the best quarterback prospect in this draft for professional or for the NFL game. That it really wasn't even close, and now I mean. The, the the random media got their their clicks out of out of the bullshit essentially. Sorry, mm-hmm. for, we're not editing that because this is, we're we're going straight to publish. But um, you know they're like, oh, who will it be? Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston? Blah blah blah. And all this time we're thinking, really? But most of the country doesn't get to watch the games like we do and break them down like we do, and so they don't necessarily understand. And so they they bought into the idea that it was really a battle and really a decision. Uh, for the number one pick, and that meant that you got clicks and ratings for for TV, and, and ESPN's offseason is primarily uh, built around the NFL draft and, and NFL stuff, primarily, because the NFL is king. I mean, it's much bigger than than like college football or, and, and baseball put together, or, or whatever you want to say. Um, and so people bought in, but Jameis is going number one. I don't think we really need to spend much time on, on Winston. I mean, he's, he's done everything he needs to do to lock up the number one pick. And uh, good question here. Can we have some non-Jameis talk? Where will the non-Jameis Winston picks go? So I went and I took, uh, with the help of our intern, and uh, I looked at where other guys are, are being projected. And really, there's kind of three groups of guys uh, that are being projected right now. And this is average. And there are some outliers drafts that had me around higher or around lower. But the, the first group is, uh, is Goldman, Irving, Darby, and PJ, right? Eddie Goldman. Cam Irving, Ronald Darby, and P.J. Williams. Mm-hmm. Everybody there is being projected between rounds one and two. Um, I don't think I've seen any projections for those guys to fall out of the first two rounds. The real question is going to be, you know, is Florida State going to have four first or five first rounders, or are they going to have uh, a first rounder, Winston, and four second rounders? Probably not either of those situations. It'll probably be somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, maybe they land three or four guys in the first round and, and, and two in the second. But everybody there is going to be um, essentially an instant millionaire. Uh, the next group looks like Mario Edwards, Josue Matias, Trey Jackson, and Rashad Green, who are all kind of at third or fourth round. Either they don't play a premium position, that would be the guards, Matias and Jackson. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, Edwards Jr. may not have a true position in the NFL uh, because he's kind of a kind of a tweener type, and uh, and Rashad Green is just not big. I mean, he's he's small, so. You know, I, I think that third or fourth round for those guys is what's being projected by most of these draft dudes, who I, I do kind of come to trust the closer we get to draft time. Cause I, I think leaks from NFL teams do happen, and, and people are able to take more time and, and sit down with the film and actually watch it as opposed to feeling the pressure to produce content uh, in a time frame with which we really do not have the ability to watch all that film and make accurate judgments like, say, in mid-October. And I have an article coming out of that. The way it's the the kind of the sham of the draft media system, um, and then uh, I think uh, PJ Williams, Bobby Hart, and Nick O'Leary are guys who have all seen projected to be drafted, if at all, uh, in rounds five to seven. O'Leary, obviously, size and speed concerns. I mean, just doesn't look like an NFL tight end from a size perspective, and and uh, and is not very fast. 
Uh, Bobby Hart moving the guard. I, I think some people think he could be a later round pick. And then Cardinals Williams, because of his side speed, size and speed combination, um, certainly could be picked in, in the fifth to seventh rounds. Yeah, I mean, he'll. Uh, I think he gets drafted just uh, based off based off uh, you know numbers and forty alone. Uh, I'd be curious to see. Uh, I do get the impact, or I, I do get the impression rather. Uh, just to come back to the first group that we really talked about, uh, that T.J. That Williams has done really good things for himself. I would be surprised to see him go out of the first round. Uh, Irving, by all accounts, has kind of anchored himself somewhere between 15 to 25. Would be surprised to see him slip. Uh, so I, I don't, you know, if you consider those two guys more or less, not locks, but looks more like they're trending into the part of the first round that doesn't even make it questionable. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be – I don't think it's going to be a stretch to see four taken in the first round. Uh, and then, you know, maybe maybe you do have Darby come as the second or third cornerback off, and, and then uh, Goldman gets taken and you see all five go. But uh, it looks like a lot of those guys have, uh, again, not necessarily locks to be taken in the first round, but uh, – Irving and, and PJ in particular seem to uh, be kind of trending in, in the right direction. No, there, there's no doubt about that. So um, we will see what uh, what happens there. Obviously, the NFL draft at the end of April. Um, okay, let, let's play an over-under game real quick because we do have, I think, two minutes left. If I said, Ingram, how many Knowles will go in the top 40 picks over under of four. I'll take the over. So you think all five on either in the first round or within like the first eight picks within the, the first round. 10. Yeah. Eight to 10 picks. I do. I do. If, if I said within the top 30 picks, uh, I think the number there is three and a half. If you're setting it over under, um, I'd be more likely to go. Oof, that's tough. I mean, that that is. Uh, I'll take the over there. Actually, uh, I, I'm, I may be wearing garnet and gold glasses, but just from what I hear, uh, if and particularly what Darby's done with his hands, uh, had two successive workouts where. Yeah, how about that? He, Catching the football. Yeah, he's shown things that ne- you know gone from absolute stone hands to uh, incredible uh, hands twice, back-to-back, both the pro day and the combine. Um, I think I think there's a, a lot to look on tape that uh, somebody will fall in love with Darby's skill set in the first, uh, the first round. Like I said, I think Irving's there. P.J. Williams, uh, a lot of people are impressed with his physicality and what he can do. Uh, so, yeah, I'd I take the over there as well. All right, how many guys will they have drafted in the top 100? Over or under of seven and a half? Uh, top 100, I think that... Uh, you, you know they got five locks. Uh, yeah, are, they do. Are three, are, are three of Edwards, Matias, Jackson, Green going in the top 100? Which I basically the means the first three rounds. Yeah, I, I, I take the under. I just don't see... I. I, I I don't think O'Leary's a realistic proposition of going in the first hundred picks. Uh, maybe oh, I'm no, wrong. I, I don't either. So um, you can take him. In my opinion, you can take him out of there. Um, do you yeah, think that you, you think probably goes? I'd be surprised if Shad went that early, just based off what I've seen and heard. Uh, would love to be wrong. And then, uh, and then it's a matter of whether or not Matias goes. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably take the under on the hundred. Right. Uh, and then final question. Do you think all 12 guys who got invited to the combine are getting drafted? Uh, no, just, just somebody, somebody gets left out there. Uh, I don't know who necessarily it really would shock me if O'Leary doesn't get drafted. Yeah. Hart, Hart's the one that jumps out, but I think O'Leary's uh, got to get healthy, man. to be able to work out for somebody. I mean, he, he didn't do get, pro day. Got to get healthy and it just doesn't, his, you know, I'm not taking shots at him, but his 
his frame, figure, and game does not translate to the NFL, and he doesn't really play a position that is employed a whole lot uh, in the NFL. You're just not going to – I mean, I know he got better at, at blocking and stuff, but that that's not a guy that you can put with his hand in the ground at tight end with, you know, any type of repetition on Sunday at all. Um, right. No, uh, I, I totally agree. Incredible college player, uh, you know, never never interested in living off who his, uh, his family was or anything like that. Unique individual, hard worker, developed his talent as much as possible. But it just wouldn't shock me if he didn't, if he went undrafted. Yeah, and then Hart, I, I, Hart, obviously, you know, maybe Hart's a little bit more of an appeal because he's so young still and, and you think you've got some flexibility there. But uh, those are the two guys body. that concerned about. Um, yeah, I, I think O'Leary's, I don't know, maybe like feel for the game and football as far as kind of the non, like obvious physical stuff may get him, you know, may help him get drafted on a team that's like, hey, you know, we can always use like a third tight end and, and you know, maybe in goal line situations or something or, or as an H-back type. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think he's a much better college player. And uh, I'm I'm going to go on 11 and say that they get the 12. I, I certainly think they'll get the 11, which I think would be the record in the modern draft uh, for players drafted in a uh, in a three-year span, if, if I count it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that does get them there. And, uh, yeah, I'd expect them to get to 11 for whatever reason. Don't feel comfortable with the uh, 12 number. We'll see uh, if I'm wrong. Hopefully I am. And, uh, like you said, uh, it is going to be a lot of uh, Florida State players who get themselves uh, – significantly wealthy and, and, you know, good for them. It's it's why you attract kids like that, and uh, that's what they come to the program with the idea of the end of the end of the road, if you will. And uh, it's been a hell of a three years as far as the uh, professional output that's been coming out of Tallahassee. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, it'll, it'll just help them even more on the recruiting trail. Right. Absolutely. Well, Bud, right, dude, we are, we're kind of against here. it, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We are. Enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully people will get a chance to listen to this uh, on any kind of Easter travels or anything like that. And uh, we'll come back and do one in the next uh, week to 10 days here. Perfect. All right, guys. Always appreciate you listening. Anytime you can share this with anybody, uh, any type of iTunes uh, reviews are always much appreciated. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk with you soon.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.